Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says there's no business case for liquefied natural gas. We know that's not true, but even if it were, there's definitely a moral case. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. Hey everybody, welcome to The Gun Show. You're noticing a little bit of a different set today because I'm actually in the Toronto head office for a couple of days this week. And incidentally, joining me is a fellow Albertan, Robbie Picard. He is the founder of Oil Sand Strong. And I wanted to talk to Robbie about a bunch of things, including his latest project, which we'll get to in a second. But I wanted to talk to you, Robbie, about Justin Trudeau's comments that there is no business case for liquefied natural gas. That's crazy, right? That's the most ridiculous, stupid, um, ridiculously stupid, if I can say it one more time, ridiculously stupid comment that he's ever made. And he's made quite a few ridiculously stupid Yeah, the comments. bar is pretty high there. I don't understand it at all because that, supplying Europe with energy could change the entire makeup of our country. If he's so woke and cares about indigenous income, economic reconciliation, social programs, dental care, all of the things that they talk about that they want to try and achieve, selling natural gas to Germany, to Europe, would be the best thing that we could ever do. It would benefit every single province. I am blown away that he doesn't think there's a business case for it. And now Qatar is going to benefit from it. So we're every other country that has enough brains to sell their energy, Russia will continue to benefit from it. And we, once again, have this, I don't know what it is, Stockholm Syndrome, whatever you want to call it, that we don't pursue our country's best interest when it comes to energy. At the very least, even if there weren't a business case, there's a moral case for selling liquefied natural gas to places like Germany, when right now they're buying, I think, 50% of their energy comes from Russia. And I'm reliably informed by the liberals that they are concerned that Russia is benefiting from everything and meddling in our politics. If you actually cared about the Russian scare, wouldn't you want to offset Gazprom? I've been asking myself this question for years. Why don't we pursue our energy needs 100% to stop countries like Russia or Qatar. Qatar or Saudi Arabia or Venezuela, di dictator type countries. Um, we're supposedly have the best environmental standards in the world. We have free, uh, we're a free country with, uh, with uh, human rights and we have ethics, but yet we don't pursue that in the energy sector. I, I don't understand it. I don't, I really, I wish I truly did. Um, I did speak to a bunch of people in uh, Calgary that are involved in natural gas and their jaws are dropping because this is something that they want to pursue. I mean, Germany, I would make an argument, is ahead of us when it comes to energy. They've already tried wind and they've tried solar, and now they're going back to coal. Because coal right. is cheap and reliable. And if you care about human rights, cheap energy keeps human rights accessible. Um, I am blown away time and time again by this notion that somehow so-called renewable energy is somehow greener and has less impact on the environment. It doesn't. And in fact, I would argue when they pursue this mass production of electric everything 
to replace, you know, uh, to replace gas or diesel powered vehicles, you are going to see more destruction of the planet than you've ever seen. And it's already kind of starting. Now, uh, from what I'm told, there's countries in Europe now that are trying to ban certain times to drive electric cars. They don't want you to plug your electric cars in because you're going to kill the grid. So what this is doing is this is forcing people into poverty very fast for wokeness from, you know, a trust fund, not just Trudeau, multiple trust fund babies who are in, yeah. in positions of power that determine that determine what the world does because of their, you know, because they're elected officials and it's scaring the shit out of everybody. You know, you were in town last night for the Jordan Peterson yes. event with the Democracy Fund. And that was one thing that he mentioned was the Western world has no moral right to damn the developing world to energy poverty. People need to be able to turn their lights on so that they can do their homework at night mm -hmm. so that they aren't burning cow dung to cook their food over. That's one of the leading causes of illness in the developing world is a lack of clean burning, electricity, fossil fuels, where they are using wood and cow dung to cook their food inside their houses. And that it's immoral for us to keep access to energy away from them in the name of saving the planet. So I think the biggest problem that we have, so we're in Toronto, our, one of the largest cities in North America, definitely Canada's largest city, and it is surrounded by benefits of fossil fuels. Yeah. But a lot of people that live here don't understand that. Yeah. They don't recognize that their entire life exists because of fossil fuels, even if they're not burning them. Right. As far driving, like the, it takes fossil fuels for the battery to drive that Tesla. It takes fossil fuels to warm these giant towers. And the disconnect is costing the world. I, I don't believe there's any type of energy that is green. And if they don't stop this insanity of pushing this agenda so fast, they, don't, they do not care about the harm that it causes. Fort McMurray is a great example. When Jane Fonda came up and when, when I confronted them, then they kicked her out of town. Before, there's not been a celebrity visit since. And I I'm, know. And I'm proud of that. But here's the thing. Greenpeace did not care about the indigenous community in Fort McMurray. They just wanted to use them to push their agenda. And now that they've been kicked out and they're no longer welcome and all the indigenous communities have deals with oil and gas, which is good, they're on to the next thing. But not everyone can stand up to these environmentalists effectively and win like we did in Fort McMurray. And I'm concerned because what they're doing is they're, they're going to ruin lives. Yeah. And Trudeau has not... If, it's real simple. If Germany does not get their natural gas from Canada, they're going to get it from any other country that will sell it to them because their people need it to live. You know, you can talk about future issues of the environment, then there's the immediate, I need to stay warm so I can feed my family and live. And that is what's happening in Europe right now. And I think that our prime minister, you know, I, I don't know if it's, I, I, I don't think we've encountered this type of narcissism in politics before. I also think everyone underestimates him. He's not. He's a se he's not stupid. He's a seasoned politician. Yeah. Probably the most seasoned in the in the G7 or G8. And we have to understand that like he has he has survived more any you tell me a prime minister that could survive so much scandals True. between blackface and you know how many the Kokanee group let us never forget <laughs> the the, um, the the first uh, what was uh, Joni's title uh, the, the the Jody Wilson Raybould yeah, the, the AG yeah the first the first attorney uh, indigenous attorney general of the country gone 
the guy has survived scandal after scandal after scandal. But here's the thing, like, I, I think for some politicians, I spent a lot of time in Ottawa, and I didn't hate Ottawa as much as I thought I was going to, but I actually learned a lot. And the, it's a game in Ottawa, but the game they play in Ottawa has major effects on the rest of us. And I think that that is very scary. Now, you talked a little bit about, or you sort of touched on the Indigenous partnerships in liquefied natural gas. I don't think people maybe outside of the West realize the amount of benefit to Indigenous communities if Canada developed liquefied natural gas. So many Indigenous groups in northern BC have partnerships with oil and gas companies and they would be the ones standing to benefit. It will lift communities out of generational poverty, but it happens to be white liberals in urban centres who are damning them to generational poverty. So I've interviewed a lot of Indigenous business leaders over the years, and I interviewed uh, Chief Crystal Smith from the Salitude First Nation when I was in BC, and they just landed the Coastal Gas Links project, which was huge. But my favorite, I didn't get to film this, was so amazing. This old guy comes up to me, maybe not really old, like 56 or something, right? And he comes up to me and he says, I just want to tell you my story. He's like, I got a job because of Coastal Gas Links, and I'm going to be able to work 10 years better my family, leave something for my grandkids. And I'm like, well, you didn't work. He's like, well, I've always tried to work, but it it's, was hard because, you know, like I-, I There's I, no jobs. Yeah, and I, he struggled, right, a little bit. And he's like, now I've got a good job. And then you have people in Greenpeace and like the support Berman that are going to take that from them. Take that opportunity for what? And the dignity, the dignity of earning something and leaving something behind. Uh, and that is where you have, I. I don't know what it is, but I would call them, I'm not even going to call them liberals. You have, a, you have a certain type of people that primarily live in cities that are candidly overeducated in a lot of ways, but have zero practical abilities in life. Yeah, right? my mom used to call them overeducated, stupid people. Overeducated, stupid people yeah. that are making decisions that affect the lives of other people. And I've seen it time and time again. Like when I was in Ottawa recently and I, I, I had, uh, um, had a dinner with a bunch of press and they have zero clue what happens to the point where they don't under like I don't believe they understand that milk comes from a cow like I, I don't think they get that get that like and, and it's because if you think about it you live in a city your whole life you go to the grocery store it's there right right you don't understand that like it's a whole process to get milk from a cow you have to the cow's got to get pregnant and then the cow has to have the calf that calf has to leave the cow and the cow has to go to a dairy farm and then and then it, that creates milk and they don't, I don't think they understand. I don't, I don't think they understand by avoiding eating meat, they're actually causing more harm to animals because of all the extra land that's processed to create vegan stuff. Sure, yeah. So there's, it's just, uh, there's such a disconnect. And one of the conversations like I actually had with uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson last night is like, um, I don't necessarily feel like we're a country. We're the second largest landmass in the world we're, we're almost too big and too small to be a country sometimes yeah. because we are so spread apart with a, with a smaller population that people from Newfoundland do not necessarily understand what's ha what had affects people in British Columbia. Toronto is like its own ecosystem onto itself. And I, if we don't start a proper dialogue fairly soon, we're going to have problems. And, you know, uh, I interviewed Daniel Smith, uh, Premier Daniel Smith for Oil and Gas World magazine. And a lot of people that I knew were like, oh, my God, she's talking about separatism and with the Sovereignty Act. And I'm like, it is about time that we had a premier who is willing to stand up for Alberta.
Because one of the things that, that I brought up when I was in Ottawa interviewing different politicians is like, our voting system is not fair. No. Because Quebec and Ontario can determine Alberta's future. By the time the election is done here, it's over. We might get to pick an opposition. But if Alberta votes conservative every single time, it's not going to It's not going to make a difference. And so they said, well, you know, that's how the population is. And I'm like, if the world was ran like that, if the United Nations Security Council was ran based on world population, China and India would determine the entire future of the world often. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're going to stay as a country, we need to start understanding that different regions have different issues. And sure, Alberta has less population than Ontario and Quebec, but we don't have less money. Right. And the amount of money that leaves Alberta to support Quebec and their daycare and their social programs to keep their budget balanced. It's insane and it's wrong. I got And sorry to interrupt you, but we should not be abused either just because there's a few of us instead of a lot of us. Exactly. A hundred percent. And so one of the things that happened, I, I, my the Olsan Strong's pages exploded this month. Our, our reach is going to hit 40 million by the end of the week, which is pretty More substantial. More than everybody in Canada. Combined to, yeah. you know, out of the oil and gas defense stuff. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of that. And, um, one of the things, I got a message from a mayor from Quebec, and he said, well, I agree with you, but you're being too hard on Quebec, and will you meet? So I'm going to be going to Quebec to interview a bunch of Quebec mayors that are pro-pipelines. But I said, Great. But what I said to him was, and he agreed with me, I said, he, and, and I wasn't, they know it. I said, like, you had to balance budget when we were going through tough times. How was that, how was that proper? Why should we be paying you to have a balanced budget? Mm-hmm. Like, like, why are you not paying back into the, into the system, which they never have, really. Right. And he agreed. And he, and he said, well, and I'm, I'm like, so I'm like, here's the difference between Alberta and the rest of the country. We are so generous. We truly don't care that we pay transfer payments out. It doesn't really bother Albertans. If we, they let us work. Or give us a pipeline. Exactly. Let us get a pipeline for the Energy East Pipeline so we don't have to ship oil all the way through the Panama Canal. For, we're a country and we're sending oil through all the way around the, the whole world up to the Panama Canal to New Brunswick. Why is that? Why is that even a conversation? Yeah. And stop acting like that, that. Like in my like with people from Quebec, like you're not better than us, right? Like you're basically, you know, glorified welfare recipients taking all of our tax dollars to keep your programs going. Because if you took the Alberta money out of the equation, the social programs in Quebec would not be quite as strong. And if we and if we honestly want to help each other, there's a lot of similarities between Quebec and, and, and Alberta oh, in a lot of I'm, ways. I'm very sympathetic to the things that they do now that they're doing them. And now that as Albertans, we we are looking at it and saying, OK, well, you're doing this in Quebec to protect your culture. Yeah. Why aren't we doing this? Exactly. Like and, 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 and it's even the responses. Like I, I was blown away by the amount she's getting attacked over it. And I thought I found myself because I always, I try to be nonpartisan. It's not sure. always easy for me. But I thought, no way, I'm going to I'm going to defend Premier uh, uh, Daniel Smith here because uh, she deserves us to have her back. All she's saying is a fair deal for Alberta. How many pipelines are canceled under Trudeau? Energy East. Northern Gateway. Northern Gateway. Keystone XL debatable. But you yeah. know what I mean? And why is it like, why don't we have a prime minister that represents all of us? Why is he not like he makes he makes statements like, you know, um, they're going to phase out the oil sands. He he hasn't been pro Alberta or pro pipeline. Sure. They bought the Trans Mountain Pipeline or yeah, the the Trans Trans Mountain. They bought the Trans Mountain Pipeline. But nobody wanted them to buy it. We just wanted them to let it get built. 
And now that they've bought it, how many billions of dollars above Way cost it is because yeah. government can't run anything. And I think that that's where I think that's where we have a similarity with Quebec. Get out of our business, let us run our yeah. you know run our province. So I, I think that Daniel misses what we need right now. We need some teeth, and we need to stand up to the. I don't know. It's almost like we're in abusive relationship with Ottawa, and we have to pay them alimony. You know, speaking of that alimony. I was talking to somebody maybe a couple of weeks ago and he said it sure would change the tune of the feds on pipelines if we started sending our equalization in the form of oil and gas. Yeah. If we said, no, here's the oil and gas in value, you market it, pretty soon we'd have every pipeline we ever wanted. Well, and, and I think one thing that has come from like this, the, the situation in, in Ukraine with Russia is the, these woke morons who somehow think that we're going to get rid of fossil fuels. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, you know, we're going to talk about Harry and Meghan, but can I talk about Elton John? Sure. Here's his wokeness, okay? This is what you're dealing with when you got celebrity morons talking about energy. So, well, I'm talking a little bit about Harry and Meghan. They, he, he lent them their, their private jet, his private jet, right? right? And he argued. He's like, well, I bought carbon credits. So this is what the woke think. They go to these conferences. They all take private jets to the climate change conference, right? He thinks, because he's rich, he can buy credits yeah. to offset his jet set which lifestyle. Which the poor can't do. Which they can't do. And they're just trying to survive, you know? Yeah. They're even gone into my, I have a Yukon, right? In Fort McMurray. They've even gone into my Yukon. I film all day. And when it's 40 below... I want to run my car my all day. Right. I don't care. Yeah. I'm in and out of it. I can't do that anymore with the stupid fob. So I started. It turns off. I can't even leave it running. Like, not that that's a big deal, but that is what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm in 40 below weather often, which is colder than most people. And I'm trying to earn a living and do my job. And now I can't even idle my, my Yukon. So... These people making these decisions for us, you know, it's insane. They I, don't live like us. They no. don't understand. Well, and, and then and then when it affects them, like it did in Germany now, where like they're worried, like, how are we going to stay warm? Well, then it's, well, we're all back to coal. Burn, baby, burn, yeah. roll coal. Yeah. yeah, let's get rid of the windmills. We're going to get rid of this, right? <laughs> and meanwhile, we're taking the German model here. Yeah. The, how stupid are we? Yeah. We could look ahead in the future and be like, hey, that didn't quite work. And then, you know, Alex Epstein said something the other day. I was watching on, um, on Jordan Peterson's show, and I thought, a good point. Why are, even myself, why have I not stood up for coal? I have been. I haven't. I have not. Yeah. I have not. I've been oil sands, oil sands, natural gas. But I'm like, you know, I have a friend of mine who is a hardcore NDP supporter. She was in Fort McMurray in the Parkland County region. Yep. And long story short, she said to me, she's like, you know, when the NDP came in here, they leveled our community, which took yes. years to recover from the shutting down of coal. They're not going to recover. They're not going to recover. You look at Hannah, Alberta. Yeah. The town exists because of coal. Mm. And, you know, when you think about people who have generations of their family have lived and worked yes. in the coal mine, and it is a good job. It is a good paying job. It's often a union job. Yeah. Where are the union activists to stand up for those jobs? And those people reclaim the land. You know, we've got industrial scrubbers. It, if you test the air quality outside of a coal generating electricity plant, it's often way better than Vancouver. So, and the problem is, is that we've somehow just said, I'm guilty of this too. I got so caught up in the oil sands defense that 
I somehow thought like it's the same fight. It's the same fight, and I and I and I realized that closer and closer. And it's like Jeremy's turning back on coal, uh, turning the coal back on. Maybe instead of this notion we need to get rid of coal, maybe we just need to make it better or constantly monitor it, burn it better. We do though, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like we've already started, but the world doesn't see it that way, and that's where that's what's scary. Because when they see coal, they see China. They don't see Genesee, Alberta. Yeah. They don't see Parkland County. They don't see Paint Earth. They don't see those places. They see the particulate just being barfed into the sky by these Chinese coal mines, which none of the environmentalists seem to complain about, by the way. So here's the other thing that really concerns me about the so-called environmentalists. How quickly they're okay ruining people's lives. Oh, it's so fast. It's in a flash. Your job, you're on, you're on the altar of green energy like that. Yeah, and and... and when they devastate communities, right? Where are they? To, where are they then? Because like they're still jet setting, yes. they're still living their high affluent lifestyle. One of my favorite things that did is when we we took on Mike Edema because Mike Edema used to from Greenpeace. From Greenpeace, he's he's not with them anymore. But we took on Mike Edema, and I like I've always thought that he was like a useless hypocrite. And I I had a chance to talk to him one time at the tech when te he was there protesting tech, and I wish I would have got into it with him there, but. He was posting at the same time he was like jumping on buildings and putting banners up and all of like he, he actually staged a major protest at, at Shell and Fort McMurray where they had helicopters right. above the mine where they put these banners out and he did all of that kind of stuff. But meanwhile, the same time he was posting, I'm in Iceland, I'm here, I'm there, I'm there. And he was like basically like a jet setting sure. traveler. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what we're dealing with. And, and the best part of the Jane Fonda situation was is finally the indigenous people in Fort McMurray said no more. Yeah. Because you're, you're affecting their jobs too. They don't care. And, and I think that we need, a pri we need a prime minister that's somewhere in the middle of it all that wants to have highest environmental standards that understands that new technology is going to pop up and it, it may or may not replace or improve what's there. But you are sitting on a technology that has made the entire world a better, more equal, affordable place, and you're just gonna toss it aside for some wokeness that probably won't happen. Even Elon Musk knows that we need fossil fuels more than ever. And you can make that argument if there's one person that should not necessarily support fossil fuels, it could be the CEO of Tesla. And that's where I think that we have a problem. And but more and more people need to call out call out these so-called environmentalists. Like, I mean, the hypocrisy, like Rich Elton John thinks that it's okay to fly two past royals on a jet because he paid money for carbon credits, you know, so. Now, tell me about your latest project, Oil & Gas World, because I think you're doing some of that taking the fight to them, but also telling the stories of the people who are in oil and gas, and they're normal people. It's not always CEOs, it's just the normal people whose lives are being changed by oil and gas. So I think our last interview, we were in Red Deer. Yes. And you since, were just sort of launching. Yeah, that. I just launched Oil and Gas World Magazine. And Oil and Gas World Magazine is not just a magazine. It's all digital. Every interview I do is digital. And I've already interviewed over 150 people. And there's a video component. There's a video component on oilandgasworld.ca, which will be the website. And we did a print magazine. I was actually surprised. I, w I did the print magazine just to give people. Yeah. And I've, I've given out probably 15,000 copies now. Um, and people really like it. I read it. They read it cover to cover. Yep. So when uh, Pierre Polyev wore my my hoodie in Ottawa 
And it was we like a year and a half ago. Yeah, a year and a half ago. And the Carlton Liberal Association tried to say we're white supremacists, and then they took it down, and we sold it to the hoodies online. Um, my revenge was I'd you know, get a bus and uh, start a magazine and travel across the country interviewing people because I thought the sheer arrogance disconnect from the so-called elites from Ottawa, they didn't know me, they didn't know the organization, they don't think about Olsen Strong, they haven't been to Fort McMurray, but they call it, like, call me many things. You can call me a lot, but you can't call me a white supremacist. That's just something that's not who I am. You're indigenous. Yes, I'm Métis, I'm also <laughs> gay. Uh, that very day I was filming a bunch of my black friends. They wanted to do, it was really funny when that happened because uh, they called me, Robbie, we want to do this funky video and they wanted to do a dance video in the hoodie and I was actually kind of like trying to film it. So I was like, you know, it, it, you can say everything, but like if I was a white supremacist, I certainly would not be going out of my way to film friends of mine who are black in our hoodie that support Fort McMurray, because Fort McMurray is very multicultural. That's I'm multicultural. That's what I was going to say. It's, it speaks to how little these people actually know about Fort McMurray. A lot of immigrants come there because there are a lot of jobs, and it is surrounded by indigenous communities. Well, what they're doing is, they, and I think the only way they win over and over again is because they somehow try to paint people a certain way. You have gay people who are conservative. You have gay people who like Dr. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. You have black people who don't ever want to vote NDP that are so pro-oil. So I think like, and, and the fact is the majority of indigenous people support the oil and sure. gas industry. I, I would suggest that there's no more an indigenous industry in this country than oil and gas. Most oil and gas projects are in indigenous communities. That's where they get to work and live. Well, and, and, and I think the thing that the oil companies have done, and, and frankly, the, the indigenous companies now, there are oil producers, right? Mm -hmm. Like mo for my marketing company, like 95% of them are indigenous owned businesses, right? So when they make that, when they made that statement that was just so kind of bizarre, it completely caught me off guard. I was just blown away. So, but I, I thought about many things. I thought I could go to Ottawa, I could demand an apology, I could do, I thought, I'm gonna do one better. I'm gonna take time and go across the country and talk to people. And here's a lesson that I learned being in Ontario that I think that we all need to learn very, very badly. If I'm in Ottawa, I don't care what happens in Fort McMurray. Mm. And if I'm in Fort McMurray, I don't necessarily care about what happens in Ottawa. So one of the things that I've done is I've taken time to have dialect, dialogue and conversation and talk to people. And I sold, by the time I got to Upslaw, which is on the way to Thunder Bay, I sold out of all of my hoodies. I got pulled over more time on, and I was trying to lie low because I didn't want to be. You're lying low in a bus with a big logo of your company <laughs> on the side? I'm not sure, Robbie. Well, normally I would have done a lot more promoting of it, but sure. I wanted to get there in one piece, right? And I wanted to, you know, so the, it went viral, but it was a different kind of viral. It was very word of mouth. Right. And, and people were pulling me over on the highway. They were talking to me. I saw people tweeting about you. <laughs> I was it got, sending it, tweets like, oh, we saw Robbie's bus. It got a lot of attention, yeah. and, but it was good attention. And one of the things that I realized is that we had solid dialogue. And that is the goal of this. The goal, like, I want to move the needle. I don't just want to have you know, millions of reach. I want to make it so people in Ontario and Quebec understand where we're coming from and hopefully support us. Like, and go to their, you know, their politicians and say, look, why are we being so nasty to a province that has given us so much, including our higher level of standard of living, which is has a great deal because of Alberta. Right. So how do people find your magazine? 
get involved? I know you're looking for advertisers. 100%. I need, I need a ton of money. Let's just be <laughs> clear here. I need big money. Okay, so I might actually do a Go uh, or a Gift Send Go because apparently GoFundMe is not cool anymore. Yeah. So I might do a Gift Send Go, but uh, truthfully, go to oilandgasworld.ca or oilsandstrong.com or robbiepicard.com, and there'll be links there on how we want to get subscribers to this. Yeah. Um, and we'll mail them copies. Um, I'd like uh, buy our shirts. We have a new order of T-shirts and hoodies coming out. Great. Um, and that's kind of where it is, and we have great content. There's going to be lots of interviews and lots of people that we've talked to. That's excellent. Including. Oh, great. And every person that we interview, we get a painting done of them. So we. Uh, uh, we, we you came to my house. I did. I, I took them out for a rip on my quad. So if you look closely, you got. Um, <laughs> I had uh, Russell Thomas did a beautiful painting of the lovely uh, Sheila Gunn Reed, who's now yep. in perfect shape, <laughs> who, you know, doesn't eat until two o'clock and works out every day. I do. <laughs> Makes me feel guilty because I had breakfast this morning. So I was like, but no, it's, but yeah, so I, and I'm interviewing a lot of conservatives. I've got a lot of politicians. So, and it's a peek inside of our lives. Like it's, you see a different side of people that you yeah. see in the mainstream media, but you see that other side of them. Well, what, you know, I know a lot of people from like both the right and the left. And I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, but I will say in my personal journey through the advocacy and setting everything up that I have, the nicest, most kindest people to me have been the conservative people. You better believe it. And unfortunately, conservatives don't come across the same way. It's one of the things I said to, to the conservatives. I said, like, like I, here's, a, here's a tip any conservative politician watching right now, okay? Rachel Notley will take a picture of Thanksgiving dinner and she'll have dirty dishes in the background. People connect to that. Whereas conservatives tend to have, want everything perfect. This is my perfect tree and this is everything. Like, you know what I mean? I think conservatives need to, uh, to show a little bit more of their personal side. So the the people that are not necessarily conservative or liberal that are kind of the swing voters can connect on a, on a little bit more of a human level. That is my one suggestion. I think that, that and that is what I'm trying to do for people that I, I interview. I want to make sure that I'm getting their true a true story. But I don't want it's not all about business all the time. Like, right. what, what is the point of all of this if you don't enjoy your family or you don't enjoy your life? Great. Robbie, thanks so much for taking the time. To, Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a real treat um, to be in a, a different environment talking yes. to you instead of over Zoom or Skype. Yes. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see everybody, well, not back here in the same time in the same place next week. I'll probably be back in studio. But as always, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. <laughs>